Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or go to the story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking the giving link located in the description below this video at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's service. can be a little unsettling, can it? I remember the, one of the first rapture video things I've seen was uh, that I, I've never forgotten was a, a dad was pushing his little girl in a playground on a swing, and she's in the swing, and he pushes her out, and there she is, but when the swing comes back, it's empty. And it, it reminds me of what Jesus said. You see, this whole idea of the rapture, Jesus wants us to know what's going to happen next. And what he said in the book of Matthew was there's going to be two guys are out in the field, and one of them's taken, and the other one's left. He's going to say, be two women working side by side, doing the very same job, and one of them's taken, and the other one is, is left. Well, I want to jump right into the scripture this morning, then I'll slow it down and, and talk to you about a couple other things. But let's get into 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. Now, it's important that you understand that what he's saying here is for Christians. Both passages that I'm going to read to you, the scripture is for those of us who accepted Christ as our personal Savior. So keep that in mind, that this writing is for those of us that are saved. And he says in verse 47, Adam, because there are certain things that God wants us to understand. Now, let me, let me, let me paraphrase. There are certain things you and I can't understand. The Bible says here, we know in part, we're going to prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part shall be done away. Meaning, that there are certain things that we're not going to be able to totally get until Christ comes back. Then every blank will be filled in. The Bible also tells us we don't have the capacity to be able to see or hear or understand what heaven's going to be like. So even in your wildest imagination, well, I think heaven's going to be, well, you missed it because the capacity to imagine what heaven is going to be like isn't even in you. So we know there's certain things that we won't know. We won't know when the hour or the day is that Jesus comes back in the rapture. Jesus himself said, no man knows the day, no man knows the hour. Now don't confuse that with the season. You can know a time frame, but you don't know. You can't say it's going to be March 17th next year, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Can't do that. But what Jesus did say was keep your eyes on what's going on around you, and when you see these things happening, look up. 
because your redemption draweth nigh. So there are things we're going to know and things we're not going to know. But our Heavenly Father wants to give you certain information and answer questions you have concerning the things that he's telling us is going to come to place. And so that's what he's doing to the church here in 1 Corinthians 15, 47. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. What I'm saying is, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Your body's dying, or these dying bodies cannot inherit that which will last forever. Okay, let me stop for a minute. Everybody in here knows your body's dying, right? It's not getting younger. It's not getting better. If you, you take all the supplements you want, hit the gym, baby. Hit that gym. One of these days, your body's going to let you know you wore it out. When you're in your 20s and 30s, you think you're invincible. Remember when you traded your skis in for the snowboard because you wanted to be a snowboarder? Remember how hard your body slammed against Powderhorn? You remember that? That it was heard and felt in other counties? Do you remember when that happened? And you raised a girlfriend or your young bride. What did you do? You jumped right up, right? Well, your 50- and 60-year-old body is going to remind you of that snowboarding season. You are going to hurt yourself sleeping when you're in your 50s and 60s. You are going to wake up, and every sport you ever played, everything you've ever done, anything you've ever done that was hard on your body, is you're going to be reminded in your 50s and 60s, your 50s and 60s, that uh, your body is not getting better. Your body's dying. Your skin, your skin in your 50s and 60s is going to remind you that you should have listened to your mother when she told you to put on sunscreen before you went outside. Because you will, as I did, look in the mirror one day and you're going to go, oh, no, oh, no. I've got, I've got OMF. I've got, I've got OMF. I was shocked the first time I realized that. OMF, old man face. <laughs> I, it just creeped up on me. I saw my dad looking back at me. I'm like, Dad, what are you doing here? So your bodies, you need to understand that, and you do, right? Nobody in here is going to live to 200. Your bodies are going to grow old inside and out, your bodies are going to die. So he tells us your bodies are dying, and because they are bodies that die, they can't, you can't, right now in this state, inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to say, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. So the writer here is talking to a generation of people that will experience the rapture. There's only one of two ways out of here. You're either going to die or you're going to be raptured out. So here he's talking about the rapture, and he said there's going to be a generation of people where the Lord comes back, he's going to rapture you out of here, so you, if you are raptured, you will not get to experience death. Now I think that's a wonderful thing, and that's what I'm hoping, and I, I believe with all my heart, I'm telling you the truth, that the Lord's coming back in my lifetime. I believe God's coming back soon, and I believe it's He's going to let it be in my lifetime. I've prayed and I've asked him for it. And, and one of the things that I know without a shadow of a doubt is if he comes back and me and Anna are taken out of here, we won't have to die. We won't have to have a memorial service for the other one. We won't have to go to a funeral home. None of that because there will be no death 
if the rapture takes place in our lifetime. And um, I was standing by the coffee pot the other day in the kitchen, and I was leaving kind of early in the morning and uh, um, heading up here to the office. And so I stopped, and I just wrapped my arms around her and kissed her goodbye. And we just held on to each other for a little bit. And I don't know if it was her or if it was me that said this, because we talk about this topic a lot. But one of us said, wouldn't it be cool if the Lord came back when we were doing this? When we were embraced and holding each other, and now, boom, we're both out of here at the same time. Well, that's going to happen. That's what the rapture is. The Bible says that there's going to be people that are taken, and there's going to be people that are left. Well, and the Bible also goes on to say, look, verse 52, it's going to happen in a moment, in a blink of an eye, Then the last trump, uh, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever. Now, remember that. There's going to be some coming up from the grave. We will, and we who are alive uh, will also be transformed. All of us are going to be transformed. You can't go into eternal life in the physical body you're in now. A transformation, a reconstruction has to take place. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture or prophecy is going to be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. In other words, death, you lose. The very thing we've been fearful of, that we would die, has no sting to it anymore. Here's what it said, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Well, you don't have any victory. You lost. Oh, death, where is your sting? Because here's the truth for the Christian. When you die, that's what you're afraid of, you're not dead. When you die, you're not dead. He wants us to understand more. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those that sleep in death. And by the way, notice that a lot of times Jesus will talk about death as being sleep, and then he'll talk about sleep as being death. You remember what he did that with Lazarus. They, they sent for him and said, Jesus, the servant you love is, is sick and he's dying. And, and, and Jesus, Jesus told his disciples that we don't need to hurry because he's just sleeping. And then later, Jesus tells the disciples, we need to go see Lazarus. And they go, well, hey, Lord, if he's sleeping, you know, he'll wake up. He's fine. We don't need to hurry. And you go, okay, uh, let me explain this to you. He's dead. So Jesus many times talk about death being nothing more than sleep and sleep being that of death. Then he goes on to say, so that you do not grieve. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed when you talk about people that are dead so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. So there's two types of grieving. There's the grieving where you miss that loved one, but you know without a shadow of a doubt you're going to wrap your arms around him again and see him again. And then there's that grieving that has no hope, and that's where you have no idea or you do not believe you're ever going to see that loved one again. So he said, I don't want you to grieve like that. You need to know uh, that, there's a, that, that, when, that when God comes back, he's going, to, he's going to do something. He tells us in 14 what it is. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe... That, and this is important, God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. All right, what does that mean? That means when the Lord comes back in the rapture, who's he bringing? Your mom and dad, your grandma, your husband, your wife, your best friend, church members that you've loved and cared for. So when the Lord comes back in the rapture, God said he's bringing with them all who have died before, are coming back with the Lord. So here's the cool thing. 
you think that when you get to heaven, you die and you go to heaven, you'll see dad again or mom again. But, but here's the truth. truth. If the rapture takes place, they're going to meet you more than halfway. You're going to see them with Jesus in the sky. Second important point. This is not the second coming of Christ. It's talked about at the end of the tribulation because Jesus is not stepping a foot on this earth when it comes to the rapture. In the second coming, he's placing his feet on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. Then in the rapture, the Bible says, he's just going to hover above the earth. He's coming with your loved ones that have accepted him as their Lord and Savior. So according to the Lord's word, we, we tell you that we who are still alive, now if the rapture were to take place, here comes grandma and grandpa and mom and dad, here they come with Jesus in the sky. Those of us that are still here, if the rapture takes place right now, and are left until the coming of the Lord, we certainly will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Now, that's important to know. Because the Bible tells us that there are those that are in the grave that are going to rise up. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, like, i.e., get up, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, now, okay, I need you all to stay with me on this question. Here's the question. You've got those who have already died coming down with God, with Jesus. You've got those that have already died that are in the grave that are being raised up with Jesus. Here's my question. Are you coming or going? It's important to know because let's just say you died 10, 15 years ago. Are you coming back with him or are you raised up to be with him? So we got those that are coming back, we got those that are being raised up, and then we got the rest of us after that that are going to join the Lord in the air. So the trumpet call of God, the dead in Christ will rise. After that, we're those, we who are still alive caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we're going to join our loved ones again right above this earth during the rapture. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Okay, I, I, any questions? Maybe a few. Since I'm on the schedule to speak for the next three weeks, uh, I decided that I really just want to slow this down a bit. I want to do our very best to answer questions that you might have uh, concerning your loved ones that have gone before you, concerning what's going to happen at the rapture, who's going, who's coming, who's going to be left. And um, I, I wanted to bless you, but I also wanted to in, inform you. So here's what I'm going to do. As we kind of slow everything down just a little bit, these are the questions I want to answer, um, the ones on the side screen as well as more than not even on this list. I want to deal with these. Is the rapture and the second coming the same event? It's absolutely not. What is the rapture and what is its purpose? I'll deal with that today. Will all babies and small children be raptured out before the tribulation? Here's another one. Why should we even care what happens in those seven years if you and I as a born-again Christian aren't even going to be here? Here's another one. Will people that are left behind that we know and love and part of our family, will there be any chance for them to come to know the Lord as their Savior and therefore miss hell? That's another one. When it comes to heaven, will we know each other in heaven? What are you going to look like? Donnie, you going to look like that? All right. You want any improvement at all on you when you get to heaven? I, we're going to find that out. What will our bodies be like when we get to heaven? If grandma died when she was 93, is she going to still be hobbling around the streets of gold on a walker? 
Will we get the 93-year-old version of Grandma, because that's the age she was when she died? Or will we get the 60-year-old version, or the 40-year-old version, or the 20-year-old version? For those of you who lost children, are they going to be running down the streets of gold? If you lost an infant or a child was stillborn, is that, is that baby, that infant, going to be there? Are people going to be tripping over an infant or a child in heaven? Will, will that be what heaven looked like? What age will they be when we get there? And then, here, here, what are we going to be doing? One big, long church service? We're going to be sitting on a cloud playing a harp? What, what, what's it going to look like? Does God have any plans for us? And then here's one that everybody wants to know. Will there be any animals in heaven? Will your fluffy be there? Will it? Well, we're going to find out all of these things in the next couple of weeks. But let me ask God for help. Father, we love you so very much. And I want to pray right now in the name of Jesus that you'd help me. I want to do a good job for you first, Father. And I'm okay with you getting me completely out of the way. Just speak your word and your truth. Don't let me say anything that's not true. And I pray, Father, that you would just bless the people and encourage them in this room. Father, I believe with all my heart you're coming back for us soon. And Father, I want everybody in this room to be ready, all their family members, all their loved ones, to be ready if the rapture would to take place this week. Because I know, we know it's imminent. We know that we, before we get to our car in the parking lot, you could come back. And there's going to be a bunch of people that are left behind. So help us, help me. I ask this in the Jesus' name. Amen. The next great event on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture. It is the great disappearance. It is the great evacuation. It is the great reunion. The word simply means to be seized, to be grasped, to be grabbed up. And it refers to Jesus Christ coming to retrieve his church, the body of Christ. Anyone and everyone has ever accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. It means that Jesus Christ is going to snatch them out of this place prior to the seven-year tribulation. It is going to be, this catalyst uh, called, called the rapture is going, to be the, is going to be the catalyst which brings about confusion, which brings about chaos to the beginning of the tribulation period. This is the purpose of the rapture. It is to remove you before all hell breaks loose on this earth. And you say, well, things are bad now. Well, you haven't seen anything yet. There, this world is going to become absolutely treacherous for any person that is left behind here. And the Bible tells us that God wants to get us out of the way of that kind of danger. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 talks about Jesus rescuing us before the wrath to come. And that's not talking about hell. That's talking about the tribulation. There's a number of illustrations in the Bible concerning God doing this very thing when it comes to his children that has to do with God's character. God retrieved Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah before it, rained, before it rained down fire and brimstone. He retrieved Noah and his family into the ark before the earth was flooded with judgment. He retrieved Rahab and her family into her house before the walls of Jericho collapsed on the people. He kept them from judgment to come by retrieving them out of there first. And that's what he's going to do for his children. He's going to retrieve you and I out. That is the purpose of the rapture. First purpose, to get you and I out of harm's way of what's coming over that next seven years. Here's another purpose of the rapture, and this is important. It is to change us. These bodies that can't go eternal, these bodies that can't enter into heaven, these bodies in flesh and blood form, it is to change you and I so that we can live in heaven and also travel to here. Now keep that in mind. We're going to have a body that's going to live in heaven and also travel 
down here to the earth. So change has got to occur, and he changes our bodies to be like his resurrected body, the body of Christ after he came out of the grave. Well, we're going to talk about that on Heaven Sunday and what that body is going to look like, what it's going to be able to do. But Jesus doesn't want us to be uninformed when it comes to the sequence of events that's going to happen during the rapture. So he gives it to us in these two passages. He's coming from heaven, bringing someone with him. And the someones he is bringing with him are those who have fallen asleep. All right? So those that have fallen asleep are coming back with Jesus. But he also said those that have fallen asleep are going to be raised up from the grave. Back to the question, are we going to be coming or going? And then those of us that are here, we're going to be after that. So if those that have fallen asleep are in heaven, but they're also in the grave, can you explain that? Maybe I can. You see, the Bible teaches us that when God created man, he created Adam. When he did so, he created him from the dust of the earth. And there was no life in Adam. The Bible says that before there was life in Adam, this dead body, God breathed into that body, what? The breath of life. And when he breathed into Adam the breath of life, Adam became what? Do you remember? A living soul. So when the body became life is when the soul was deposited into the body. Before that, it was just a body. And what was the body doing? Sleeping. It was dead. It had no movement at all. But once the soul was deposited, now there is animation. Now there is movement. Now there is activity. Now there is life. When a person dies, what happens is that their soul, the alive part, the life part, is removed from the body. And if you've ever been with a loved one who has died, a grandma, a person that you care about, you've ever been in a... In a, in a um, uh, ICU ward, if you've ever, you ever been to a hospice center and you've seen somebody die, you immediately know they're not there anymore. Their body's there, it immediately turns a little bit gray, it turns a little bit hard, and, and, and you know, wait a second, grandma's not here anymore, grandma's gone. So the Bible tells us that the body sleeps. The Bible also tells us that the soul does not. That's what I said earlier when I said when you're dead, you're not really dead. What happens to the soul? It immediately goes to be, to be with the Lord in heaven. Prove that. Okay, well, the Bible teaches us and when Jesus was on the cross, there was a thief there, and the thief uh, uh, asked Jesus, I believe in you, I know who you are, the Son of God. And Jesus said, okay, well, God revealed that to you. Today, he said, you will be with me in paradise. Today. Well, what happened to the thief? He didn't disappear, stayed on the cross, died, his body put in the ground, and it disintegrated. What happened to the Lord Jesus Christ? He didn't disappear, his body stayed here, but Jesus left, took the, uh, did, did work while he was dead, took keys to death, hell, and the grave, but the Bible says his body then was placed in a tomb. So the body, what did it do? It slept, and it was placed in the ground, but the soul immediately went to be with the Lord. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So, what you have at the, at the, at the, uh, at the time of, of, uh, of the rapture is you have you coming, the you that left, when you went to sleep. Oh, wait a minute. At the rapture, you're, you're coming, and that's the you that left you when you went to sleep. Let me say it again. You're coming, that's the you that left your body 
when your body went to sleep. So because there has to be a reconstruction of the body, what Jesus does at the rapture with everyone that has ever died is to reconstruct their sleeping body with the soul and spirit of that person, the alive part, so that the soul will have some place to hang out. And that body, <laughs> that body is likened to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, for some of you, you're thinking, well, you know what, uh, we're talking people many, many years ago, we're talking their bodies don't even exist anymore, they've disintegrated into the ground, we're talking people that were in wars and and the fragments of their bodies are in ships, like in Pearl Harbor, that's at the bottom of the water. We're talking people that have been burned. We're talking people that died at sea. We're talking all those kind of things. And, and so, there, so how in the world, how in the world is God going to reconstruct that? And is it important that a person be cremated or a person be buried? Can I, can I, can I take a minute and just be your brother in Christ? I, I'm going to share something with you that I've shared with my family. Just conversations that Ann and I have had over and over again. When I was in my young 20s, I was at the First Baptist Church in Fort Worth, and, and I taught a Bible class, and my Bible class was people that were 50 years old and older, and I was 20-something. And we loved the class, they loved us, it was a wonderful experience, but many of those people in that 10 and a half year period of time died. So in that church, as a young pastor, we would do one funeral service a week, and many weeks, many, 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 we did two funeral services a week. Along with that, there were funeral homes in the city, about a dozen of them, that would call our church and ask if there's any pastors that can come over and help a family out with a memorial service because they didn't have a church home. And all us young guys, we'd take off, we'd go do it. And, and, and we did that for a long, long time. So this little side note, but, but listen to this. When I was there in the room with these funeral directors, and many of them are wonderful, wonderful ministers and really, really good, I would listen to, because families would call and they say, say, Hooper, would you come, and we're going to pick the casket out for our loved one today. Would you come and do that? And down in Texas, down in the South, 99 out of 100 funerals were a burial plot, a vault, a concrete vault, and a casket. That's, that's what people spent money on. And 99 out of 100. It's flipped the opposite right here in Grand Junction. Flipped the opposite to cremation. But, but I would sit in a room, and I'd listen to a funeral director say to a wife of their husband just died, a husband and wife of a child that just died, and I'd hear the funeral director pitch this. Don't you want to get a casket that's a little bit more than the average casket? Because the seal on this casket is guaranteed for 100 years. No water will leak in through this casket and get on your loved one. And then they'll say, and on top of that, if you want to guarantee it for two or 300 years, we can get a vault, a concrete vault, and we can put the casket in that concrete vault, and then we can lower a lid on that concrete vault, seal it completely, which will preserve your loved one's body even longer. Now, when I was in my 20s and 30s, I never said a word. Didn't say a word about it. I know it shocks you. But when I was in my 40s, I got very strong opinions about that. And I remember many times when I hear a funeral director that would try to just ramp up the money based on emotions for this family, making it, them feel like they're doing something wrong if they don't put out a whole lot, bunch of money to preserve their loved one's body. I remember taking many, many family members on a walk, taking them down the hall, hey, we'll be right back, we'll grab something to drink, we'll be right back. And I said, listen, if you want to spend a lot of money on a casket, that's fine. If you want to spend a lot of your family's money on a vault, that's fine. But this is what I need you to understand. 
God doesn't need your help in reconstructing your loved one's body at the time of the resurrection. And over and over again now, I hear people that will say to me, Pastor, do you feel like that it's okay that we have a, we have a funeral service that where we just, a memorial service where we, we, just, we just have a, uh, we, you know, we, we do a cremation? And I'm like, absolutely, absolutely. That's above our pay grade. God's going to be able to, my dad is buried in a casket in a funeral in, a, in the ground in Indianapolis, Indiana. My mom was, was cremated and her ashes were spread off the coastline of, of Florida in the Gulf. Um, and God's going to resurrect and recreate uh, and reconstruct our loved one's bodies. Well, what's going to happen after that? I think I, I, I got off track for a minute. Here it is. Then everyone who is alive, the time will be taken up and changed to their new glorified body. So here's the great reunion, your soul with your new body, your new you with your loved ones that are still here, and then we're, ever, we're forever going to be with the Lord. That's it. That's the rapture. That's what's going to take place. But now, I want to ask a question. And really, more than anything, I want to give you some advice. And if you'll let me for a moment, I want to talk to you as if I were talking to my grown grandkids. I got a granddaughter, 25 years old. Do you believe that? OMF, that's what that is. So I want to talk to you just for a minute on this topic, and I want to give you some advice. What if you miss the rapture? What if it were to happen this afternoon and you missed it? You look around, your kids are gone. They're no longer in the car. You're driving home, you're trying to get to a restaurant. Cars are wrecking all around you because drivers are disappearing. What if you missed it? And maybe you missed it because you thought you were saved, but you weren't. Jesus even says there's going to be a lot of people in the end that said, look how much I did for you, Lord, and only to hear the Lord say back to them, but I never knew you. We never had a relationship. You were, you're playing pretend. And let's just say that happens. Let's say that. And the rapture takes place, and you're here. Going to work tomorrow is not going to matter. Businesses will be closed. People won't be where they need to be. The panic that's going to set in when you see who's gone. You're going to call up here to the church. Oh, my gosh, what's happening? None of the staff's going to be here. 90% of the people in this room you're sitting with, gone. No one to talk to. All the Christians are gone. So what do you do? Please hear me. Number one, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath and just grasp what has just happened. Your memory won't be taken away. You're going to remember this message. Times that you heard about the rapture, you saw the video. That's going to come to mind. And you're going to go, oh, no, I, I know what happened. I've been left. Take a deep breath. Take it in. Number two, reach out to other people. This is in it, not in any priority. Reach out to other people just like you, just like you, and come together and go, oh, my gosh, this must what have happened. I, I thought I was saved, or I, I messed around and didn't take it seriously. I put everything else before the Lord. And now he's come back, and look, we're here. I know, we're here. Oh, what are we going to do? I don't know. Three, break into this building. You think I'm kidding. I'm not. We don't need it anymore. Break in here and take whatever you need to help you survive the next seven years. 
do not die yet. Don't die yet. If you know where I live in Fruta, uh, we've got food in the freezer. Come break in our home. Help yourself to all the food in our freezer. Not, not before the rapture, but that, like after. <laughs> because many, many people are going to starve to death during the rapture, during the tribulation. Listen to me. Do not take the mark of the beast on your head or on your hand. It'll be like an ingrained credit card where you can't buy or sell or do business or buy groceries. Take a shopping cart full of groceries up there. Check them out. No mark of the beast, no food. And many people are going to die of starvation during, during the tribulation. Do not, no matter what, die first. Don't take the mark of the beast. Don't do it. There's no hope for you if you do. If you're going to be watching the news, the news is going to be all over the place. A lot of cameramen will be gone. A lot of journalists will be out of here. Christian. A lot of, a lot of Christian anchors will no longer be there. I think CNN and MSNBC will all be fully running. <laughs> I'm sorry. That wasn't very nice. That wasn't very nice of me. It's true, but it wasn't nice. But here's what you need to do first. Drop on your knees. And tell God you're sorry. Tell him you wish you paid attention. You heard it was coming. It's next on the calendar. And ask him to be your Lord and Savior. Take you to heaven. The Bible says, and I'll talk more about this, that John looked up and saw a great multitude of people standing before the throne. And when you ask, who are all these people, a number that no, no man could count, the angel told him, these are the people who got saved during the tribulation. And I would tell my grandchild, Run to the open arms of the Lord Jesus Christ. Meet him at the cross. Tell him you're sorry. Ask him to save you. And to take you out of this terrible place. But whatever you do, do not die. Not before you've done that. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? If you're not sure, if Jesus were to come back right now, would you pray this prayer? Pray it out loud with me. Dear Jesus, save me. I want to make you my Lord and my Savior. Give me a home forever in heaven. If you come back to get us, I want to go. I don't want to be left here. I believe in you. You're my Savior. You're my King. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there are two things that you need to pay attention to in the days ahead. Tim will be back to talk about these more if we see them unfolding in the Mediterranean Sea. But the Bible says in the last days, the enemy will surround Israel, which it has, 
They will attack from the north, which they're planning on doing. The Bible says, and no man, no man came to Israel's defense. Now let me ask you a question. Is America not there in defense of Israel? Sure we are, and others too. So right now you see America in the waters around Israel. But listen very carefully. When you see America pull away from Israel, oh my goodness, we're really close. You say, so what should I do? I heard this a long time ago and I love it. Everything I'm talking to you about is way above your pay grade. There's not a thing you can do about it. So keep one eye on the headlines, keep one eye on the heavens, and follow what the psalmist said when he said, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Love you all. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text the word fellowship to 94000 and connect with our staff today. Now, if you're in need of prayer, we'd love to support you. You can submit your prayer requests by texting prayer support to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. And as always, we're still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.